Hello, I'm Jim Mallard, host of The Mallard Report. On The Mallard Report, along with my guest, we will have a conversation where we will share thoughts and opinions. For more information, my bio, past shows, social media links, and so much more, visit mallard.com. M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. And thanks for listening. I want to welcome everybody to this evening's program. I've got a very special guest, but before we begin, I've got my sponsor read. I've got SchoolOfErrors.com, the school safety book by uh, Dr. David Perodin, uh, taking a common-sense look at some of the things we should be doing instead of some of the things we aren't doing. Uh, my guest tonight is former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura. How are you doing today, Jesse? Good, Jim. How are you today? I'm doing great. So I, I guess I, I could lead there with this, because you were freshly elected governor of Minnesota when Columbine happened. How did? I'm sure you had to have some discussions about trying to keep students safe, safe in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, it was huge. Uh, Columbine happened right after I took office, and at the time, I was behind a bill of uh, that required a shall-issue conceal and carry. And let me explain, in Minnesota at that time, uh, if you wanted conceal and carry, uh, to carry a firearm as a law-abiding citizen, uh, the only person that could issue that to you was the local sheriff. Well, it wasn't a fair standard, because if you lived in northern Minnesota up in the woods, everybody could get them. And if you lived down in the Twin Cities, nobody could get it. In fact, an example, when I became mayor of Brooklyn Park, I filed to get conceal and carry as the mayor, and my own police chief turned me down. Was there an explanation for it, or was it just he a just blank? Didn't He just didn't believe in it. And so when I went for governor, I went to a shell issue where if you qualified, and we made it tough, you can have zero alcohol, you have to take an accredited gun training course, you have to have a background check, and you have to go to a range and shoot a, a score, a minimal score to qualify. And so Minnesota is now a shall-issue state that if you're qualified and, and you know you pass everything, you, you are licensed to carry. Now, having said that, so I was in the controversy because of that, when Columbine happened. And I made the statement that got me in a whole bunch of trouble because I said, had there been a legitimate conceal and carry within that school, lives could have probably been saved. And of course, the crap hit the wall on me for that one. But the point being, I told them back then the only way to protect the schools. Nobody listened until now. See, I was 20 years ahead of my time on most subjects. An independent has the ability to do that. And the way you protect the schools, which I told them then, I said, look, I'm trained. I went through Navy SEAL training. I'm a Navy SEAL. And I said, I'm well trained. And when we were trained, we were trained to think like the enemy. So if you're going to do a terrorist thing like attacking a school, you have to put your mind into the mindset of the enemy or the terrorist that's going to do this. And the point being is that a school would be a natural target because there's nothing there to protect the children, at least at that time in the year 2000. There was nothing to protect kids at school. You could hit a school and know you'd have 15 to 20 minutes before anybody would get there. Here's what I told them needed to be done. I said, you've got tons of, for of older retired law enforcement people. You've got a lot of former special forces military people who are very good with weapons. I said, you train them, you hire them, and they wear two hats. They're Bob the janitor, but they're also carrying a concealed weapon to protect that school. The kids don't need to know about it. Only person that needs to know is the principal, that Bob the janitor supposedly, uh, the kids all know him as Bob. We, when I went to school, we all knew our janitor's names, would say hi to him in the halls. But they don't need to know that that guy's armed, well-trained, and is there to protect the school. And you get at least two of them. That's how you solve the problem, in my opinion. Because otherwise, there's no protection in schools. Schools are natural targets. 
Well, I was going to say metal detectors don't, aren't stopping them or any number of other things out there that are well, because, trying to Well, because a metal detector is not going to do any good because generally the perpetrator just comes in with an invasion. How's a metal detector going to stop that? You know, <laughs> I mean, you already know he's got the weapon. He's yeah, coming nobody's there it. to actually stop him. Yeah, nobody is there to stop him. You have no, and that's the way schools were for 50 years since I went to school. It, it, they would be a natural, if you're that low, if you're a low life to that level, and a terrorist, you, you, wanna, you want the easiest target to hit. Well, the easiest target for, for 50 years in this country would be a school. And I'm just being honest with you. I know, and you're right. Because, because there, there, there's no weapons there. There's no protection there. Now, it's, hopefully it's better today. And unfortunately, we live in times where we have to do it. So we're not blaming video games or anything else for these people doing this? Well, uh, not to say, it, it can be many things causing it, you know. Uh, you know, the president's right when he makes the statement that the person pulls the trigger. That's true. But by the same token on the flip side, if they don't have a gun, they're going to use something else. You notice in Europe, trucks are very fashionable, you know, getting a great big semi and, and you know, uh, bombing. That's another one. You know, how, how do you defend against that? You know, if a person's bound to determine to commit mass murder, it's a very difficult, difficult situation, and I'm telling you this from a perspective also as a former military person. If you're fighting an opponent that's willing to commit suicide, that's a very difficult opponent. Yeah, because they're willing to do anything at that point. Exactly, and they will do anything, and that's a very difficult person to fight, be it militarily, be it defensively, be it whatever. You know, if a person is willing and they're ready and able to uh, commit suicide one way or another in commissioning the crime or whatever it is they're doing, that's very difficult to uh, protect in situations like that. Now, I mean, a lot of the gun, the, the gun, the blame goes to the gun. It's the person with it. A lot of the blame goes to the person, I mean, goes to the gun, not the person holding the gun. Well, you know, again... Uh, the one thing about the Second Amendment that I think is lost in a lot of this discussion, and I hear people say it all the time, they always tell us we're not going to infringe upon your hunting and your fishing. Well, first and foremost, people need to understand that the Second Amendment wasn't written for hunting and fishing. Back then, if you didn't hunt and fish, you didn't live. It was re a pretty much a requirement and so the point I'm getting to is the Second Amendment, it was put in number two behind free speech. And there was a purpose that it was number two back then, if you read history. You'll learn that because the British used to come here and invade our homes, steal all our stuff, and basically take over whenever they'd come here. So our forefathers, in light of the conditions they lived under, put the Second Amendment in so that we could defend ourselves against oppressive government as citizens, that they wouldn't be able to just come into your home and take your stuff and occupy you and all this. That's why the Second Amendment, the people's right to bear arms, was written in the first place, and I really wish they'd get that right when they talk about it. And I don't think that even with, if I had an AK-47, if the government showed up in my house, then I'm keeping them out. Well, in a way, that's true. I've heard that argument, but I can argue back something to you on that. Go ahead. Always remember, we dropped more ordnance on Vietnam than they, we did in World War II, and all they were were a bunch of rice farmers with a few AK-47s, and they withstood the entire United States military and everything we could throw at them short of nuclear. You do have a good point there. You know, so, and how, and what were they? They were a bunch of farmers in the field that raised rice in the daytime, and at night they ran around with AK-47s. <laughs> so while we're pushing amendment buttons, let's let's talk about the First Amendment for a minute. And sure, the the big buzzword is fake news anymore. 
I'm, I, my head spins anytime anybody starts talking about that anymore because I don't know. It seems like everybody is uh, putting their slant on things. I don't know. Does anybody straight up report news anymore? Well, I can honestly tell you I work for RT America, Russian television, and we do. Wait. I know I know that sounds strange coming from someone who works for Russian television, but uh, I've been working there now three years, and they do the best news that I've ever seen as far as fairness goes and as far as covering topics and, and things. Uh, you know, the thing about RT, I'll, I'll give you an example. I've done interviews in all the media, pretty much, and whenever you do our mainstream media, they call you before you go on that night, and they do what's called a pre-interview. And that's done so they know what you're going to talk about or what you're going to say, so that they can help control the interview if you go somewhere they don't want to go. Well, we at RT, Russian Television, uh, I do an interview on every one of my shows, and we at RT have never conducted a pre-interview. We bring a person on if they have expertise in whatever we're talking about. We allow, we give their credentials, we ask them questions, we allow people to answer the questions, and then amazingly, we allow you, the viewer, to decide for yourself. You know, is this person credible? Do I want to believe this person or whatever? And so I get my best news today, and it's embarrassing to say from Russian television. And here in the United States, because remember this, all of our mainstream media now is very much controlled in making the dollar. It's all about making money and ratings points. And that's why, like, they, the, the stories come down from on high. Uh, all you're getting is five different people giving uh, opinions on the same damn stories all day long. If you watch our mainstream media, it's an agenda. And that agenda, unfortunately, is a corporate agenda controlled, and uh, I do not believe that we have. The, and I'll tell you this in history. The downfall of mainstream media, believe it or not, was the show 60 Minutes. Let me explain. 60 Minutes was a phenomenal show. It, it showed a lot of stuff. It discovered a lot of things. It investigated a great deal of stuff. Pretty good. But here's where it was the downfall. It when 60 Minutes came on, it shocked them number one in the ratings. And prior to that, they had always written off the news as a, as a money loss, a monetary loss, and that they'd make up for it in the entertainment department. But it was more important to educate us and inform us. When 60 Minutes shot the number one with its show, the light went off with the bean counters. They said, oh, you mean we can make money with the news? <laughs> and from that point on, the news has become a ratings game. And it's all, uh, at least United States mainstream news. It's all about ratings points and getting advertisers. That's why you don't see them say much against pharma, because pharma is literally 70% of their advertising money. Yeah, the last time I watched the news, I, thought, I, I was pretty sure I had to call the doctor afterwards, because I'm pretty sure I had something. I'm not sure which one of those conditions it was, but, man, you need to call, you know, tell your doctor about these. Oh, Well, not only that, but count the number of commercials on TV dealing with pharmaceuticals. It's astounding. Thousands. And, and the point being, you made the point, okay, the doctor should tell you what to take. Why do they need to advertise? Because the doctor has the expertise, not you. And you're going to watch TV, and then they tell you to tell your doctor? Well, it's like Bill Maher said it, I believe, was the first to say it. If you're telling the doctor what you need, the doctor's not a doctor, he's a dealer. That's, that's for sure. So how do, we, how do we break this cycle of entertainment slash news? Uh, very difficult. Uh, it's it's very hard because they've it's follow the money now, and uh, that's the great thing. Like people criticize RT where I work because they say, "Well, you're financed by the Russian government." That's true, but PBS is financed by our government, isn't it? Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> so this is no different. I can just say this as mine. 
no one's ever told me what to talk about, no one's ever told me what to say, and no one's ever controlled my show at all. And Putin himself told me that I would have that freedom, and so far he's been a man of his word, President Putin. So well, give me a hard promo for the show since we're here before I forget. Give you what? Tell me, when does the show air? It airs on RT yeah, what my, time? My show airs every Friday night, uh, 6.30 Central Time. So I guess 7.30 Eastern and all the rest. And it airs a couple times on Friday and then it might air on a Sunday night. But it's a half-hour show called The World According to Jesse. I kind of stole the title from the Robin Williams movie that I liked. And uh, since it's my opinion of the world, it's pretty apropos. The World According to Jesse. I'm giving you my opinion on the world out there. I was going to say, what I do. it seems like a fitting title for your show. Oh, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, I, I'll say this, they're, they're the best company I've ever worked for, <laughs> and I'm 68 now, so I've worked for quite a few, and uh, they, they're they completely honorable with me, uh, Larry King works there, you know, so I, you know, and yet we're the only television station that has to file as government agents in this country. Chinese TV doesn't have to, the BBC don't have to, Al Jazeera don't have to, but RT America does. That, well, because I'm sitting here here. And wait, West... and, and let me add this, we're going to educate people today. We also uh, are accused of interfering in the 2016 election. Do you that's know what our that's where I was just going. I, I, that's where I was just going. I keep hearing election collusion in the back of my head. Well, well, do, do you know what? Do you know what our uh, what we did? No. Well, I can tell you. Here's what we did. RT America. We held debates for third party candidates because American media won't let them hear what they have to say. So we allowed the the the. Uh, the uh, uh, Green Party, the Libertarians, the Constitutional Party, all the different third parties, we gave them a forum to where you, the people, could hear what they had to say in case you didn't want to vote for a Democrat or Republican. It's funny because I have that right on my notes. I, I... Well, now, shouldn't that be offensive to me considering I was a third party governor? Yeah, that's where I want to so go they're with this. Telling me, they're telling me that me winning the governor of Minnesota interfered with the United States election system. Yeah, well, that's what they want to tell you. I believe it's great, and I believe we need more of it. Right, but how can we when we get accused and we get, uh, you know, we have to file now as foreign agents because they're, they accused us of interfering in the election, and that was our transgression. We allowed the other parties, we gave them a forum to debate on. Seems so I, to me we did the American thing. Well, but you didn't have the American <laughs> money behind you. Or, so I, I guess my, I, my, 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 my next question was going to be, but I need to back up a step. Can a, can a third party, any of the third parties, or just an, as an independent, the, are we ever going to see one at a legitimate level because of the control yeah, of the system? Yeah, in fact, this, this year, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> And I'm going to tell you, and you can tell the world, <clears throat> I am the only one that can save this country. Just Governor Jesse Ventura. Let me explain. <clears throat> the same thing was in Minnesota. Now you've got it at a national level. Here's the explanation. The Dems and Repubs are so polarized now, everybody knows that our government's at stagnant stalemate. It's not going anywhere. They're not doing their jobs because you got the far right against the far left. The only way to solve this, you must elect an independent. You must elect someone who is not from the two parties as president. And when you do that, see, here's what will happen. The same thing happened in Minnesota. I had a Republican uh, uh, House and a Democratic Senate. Things moved great for three years, but then at the end of the third year, <coughs> the Democrats and Republicans got in bed together to oppose the common sense middle, me. <laughs> now, are you following me? So I am the only one capable of bringing the country back together. Because I can guarantee you, after three years, if I, run, if I ran for president, became the president, 
it would take about three years for them to be in bed together singing Kumbaya and opposing me. And that's what it'll take to get them together so that they can work and the country can move forward. If you you elect a Democrat or a Republican, you're going to continue with the same stagnant mess you have right now. They need a common opponent, and you'll see it happen. They they would rather be in bed together than have a third entity enter the game. And this is a fact. Look at what happened in Minnesota. They opposed my last budget. They got together. They wouldn't take my budget. They sent me theirs. I uh, vetoed it twice. They both overrode my veto, and a year later, Minnesota was $5 billion in debt because they put forward a, a horrible budget that I vetoed twice, but they came together just to get me. And see, that's what the country needs to learn, and that I am the only guy who can save this country. you got to elect someone who is not from either party for that to happen. So are you going to run? I don't know. We'll find out. Springtime. Too early. Well, I was gonna, I was why hoping. would I talk? Why would I get in now? Stupidity to get in now. Well, it, every, it seems like I don't understand. I, I, I wish we could shorten the election cycle. I mean, th- now is too early. I agree. I don't. I'd love to see a law passed where you can't even start the election till the year it's going to happen. I, I'm thinking like Memorial Day that year it's going to happen. But okay, I'll well, give you the even, <laughs> even, even better. <laughs> But let's work. You got to work in small increments. Let's just get it to the year first, and then we can chisel it down from there, maybe. Because but, uh, no, you and I agree on that. You know, and and remember this: I'm fiscally conservative and I'm socially liberal. That's most of America. Most of America's me, and that's exactly how I won in Minnesota. Because most of Minnesota was me. You got the far left and the far right controlling the country, and the common sense middle is being left out. Without question, because it we're we're part of the. Um, I'm from Western Pennsylvania, you know, the heart of the Rust Belt, and sure, every, you know, everything sounds, you know, they spelled off great things, and nothing, literally, well, nothing the, ever changes. The point, the point being is, is that these two parts. I wrote a book called <laughs> "Democrats and Republicans: No More Gangs in Government." You know, they belong to the same party, the corporate party. It's just that they're divided in a red and uh, blue segment. But they're still controlled by the same corporate powers. If you go to the Democratic and Republican conventions, you'll see the same lobbyists at both. See, they're both getting bought off. It's like a football game. If you bet on both teams, you can't lose, can you? (laughs) I'd still find a way. (laughs) You don't know my luck, do you? (laughs) Well, it's the truth. You <laughs> no. bet on both teams, you ain't going to lose no money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they do. They bet on both teams, and that way they don't. They come out the winner because they got their side bought off either way. I think. By uh, the way, just so people know, too, uh, I never took any PAC money, no special interest money. You know how much money I raised to become governor of Minnesota? Well, I've seen this, but I didn't write it down. 300,000. We cap that, too? Uh, no, but, but uh, that's no, how I... much I raised. I actually made more money doing the job than I spent to get it. I don't think no one in the nation in the last 50, 100 years can make that statement. Well, that's what I'm saying. Can we seriously stop? I mean, it's just, it's just piles and piles, like roomfuls well, of it's money. Too, for me to get in, it's too early right now. You don't want to get in now. You get lost in the shuffle. you got to wait till the last day. Then you come out. You, you, you get the pikers out. See, you got to get rid of the pikers right now. There's too many pikers <laughs> in there. <laughs> but they're, they're still getting all, are they, all of them. Well, I can't say. All, all of the Democrats probably had more money than you had. Well, well they all do. I don't, ra- I don't raise money. I don't have to. I know, but I'm just saying they all had more money. Yeah, at this you point. know, but uh, the the only key is see you got to get in the debates. But it seems to me if I ran, I could get in them because I mean they got debates with twelve and twenty people now. <laughs> all you're asking for is three. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the it, it is awkward when they go to the, like try to you know show the crowd shot. And you need like one of those large panorama TVs to see everybody that's there. 
Well, the point is, how can they, how are they going to argue there's too many people on the stage? That's what they used to use on the third parties. We can't put all you third-party people up there. There's too many candidates. Well, we just watched the Dems have 20 up there, or whatever the hell it was. I, didn't even, I don't even watch the debates, because I'm not voting for a Democrat or Republican, so why would I watch them? I've well, never voted for a Democrat or Republican. It's it's more of a dog and pony show anyways. They kind of know what's coming, and they know what they're going to say. Well, no, it's entertainment. You notice how the, the networks advertise it like the Super Bowl. <laughs> See, this is entertainment. They're entertaining you now. They're getting ratings points. That's why they build it up. They turn it into like, you know, they got pre-this and highlights that and blah, 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 and analysis and all that. It's like getting ready for the Super Bowl. I never watch anything prior to the Super Bowl except the game. Because if you watch all the stuff before it, the game will never live up to it all. Yeah, it's true. So I, mean, I just watch the game. I don't watch any pre-Super Bowl stuff at all. I know when the game's coming on, and I turn it on five minutes before it starts. <laughs> <laughs> and that way I avoid all of the analysts and who's talking this and who's talking that. And that's what you're getting now. This is simply the entertainment division of the news giving you entertainment. And then Trump responds. It's a big game show. It's a big TV show going on. Speaking of Trump, I think it was Roger Stone who said that uh, politics is acting for ugly people. Well, you know, a lot of people laughed when I got in because they of my background in pro wrestling, and they don't realize pro wrestling is a perfect job for politics. Perfect. Well, get, get Number a, one, you, you, have to perform, you have to perform live in front of crowds. Number two, you have to be able to ad-lib and think on your feet. Number three, you have to be able to do interviews. Number four, you have to may have magnitude or, or, or whatever, magnetism, to get them to pay money to come in and see you. Well, that's the same, that's even harder to do than getting them to vote for you. You know, you're asking for their money. The other, you're just asking for their vote. Their vote don't cost them nothing usually, or at least not in the short run. might cost them in the long run. <laughs> but uh you know and besides look if i ran how much i mean wouldn't it be nice to get uh, i turned all the wrestling fans and say it's about time we put a wrestler in the white house oh I, yeah i mean you'd how many, how them many wrestling hurry. fans you think i'd get voting then here's my next one never before to my knowledge and i might be wrong but at least to my knowledge uh there's never been an enlisted man as commander-in-chief. We've had officers, you know, Richard Nixon was an officer, and Dwight Eisenhower was an officer, you know, when they were president. Yeah. But, uh, but there's never been an enlisted man. George W. Bush, or H.W. Bush, he was an officer because he was a flyer, you know. But never has there been an enlisted man. I think you'd get a lot of enlisted men would vote for you. Checking some boxes there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and here's the thing. I'll tell you right now, here's the thing that bugs me the most on my anti-Trump right now, is the fact that uh, when he makes state, first of all, he attacks John McCain, a veteran. Then he attacks that Gold Star family that had the Muslim son that died for our country. Then he tells the public that he would have been a good general. <laughs> when you got a guy here that more than likely committed a felony to get out of military service when it was time for him to show his patriotism, uh, he didn't. He more than likely committed a felony to get out of it. And here's my point. Someone had to replace him. Whatever happened to that person? Who was that person that replaced Donald Trump? And now this guy's going to sit, and, and it made me sick. My parents were World War II veterans, and my dad landed at Normandy. And to know that Donald Trump was the one over there representing us at Normandy. And I also found it a bit strange when Germany was invited there, but not Russia. Did you ever think about that? 
No, but no, I'm, I am now that you mentioned it. Excuse me, Russia was our ally. Germany's the reason we had to invade Normandy. And they get invited, but Russia doesn't. Russia won World War Two. It was the Russian front that destroyed the Germans, not us. We helped, certainly. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I found that to be very, very uh, disturbing, to say the least. You know, but anyway, getting back to the military, and so Trump is our representative over there. You know, and, and I, I just find it disgusting when he makes statements like he could have been a great general. I'll give you a quick story. Every, every enlisted guy in the country can relate to this story. The first night you go to boot camp, I don't care what service you're in, that night there'll be one person who will go crazy, wet their bed, pee their pants, scream for their mom, and in the middle of the night the authorities will remove that person and you'll never hear or know whatever happened to them. It happens every night in boot camp. Well, I got news for you. That person would have been Donald Trump. He couldn't even make it through one day of boot camp, and yet he's going to tell us he could be a general. I've, I've got a serious question for you, though. Yeah, um, that's a serious thing to me. I'm not yes. light on that. That's, you know, that this guy... And then this guy knocks military people. This guy says, he, oh, and then he says he deserves the Congressional Medal of Honor and he should give it to himself. A draft dodger. I happen to know two Congressional Medal of Honor winners and one of them gave up a, 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 a limb. And I find, and, and if they tell me Trump was joking, first of all, Trump don't joke. And second of all, you don't joke about the Congressional Medal of Honor in any way, shape, or form to me. No, it's nothing to joke about. And, and for him to state that he should give it to himself publicly is disrespect to every person that ever served in the military, in my opinion. I agree. Now, the, the story, because I'm a, originally I was a paranormal guy, you know, ghosts, UFOs, and all this other stuff. And one day I woke up and seen that Trump was creating the Space Force. And I went, it, oh. wait, just when I, think, when I thought things couldn't get more weird. They just did. Oh, yeah, I, I just covered that on my show on RT. And, yeah, they're putting together, they want, they want to get, the, you, you now will be able to try out in the military for uh, some sort of space force of aggression that they're, they're planning on sending into space. I just view it like this. This is just another extension of what Eisenhower warned us of, of the military-industrial complex, who truly has control of our country. That's why we're at perennial war all the time. That's why we're never not fighting somewhere. We're at war all the time now. Yeah, we've been in Iraq and Afghanistan for... Well, what what was it before that? The quote, war on drugs, Vietnam. You You know, people talk about conspiracy theory and all that, but I will make this and tell you this statement. And I'll and listen to how I word this. Had they not killed John Kennedy the world would be a totally different place today. And I'm supposed to reference government as the government as they? Oh, I don't know. Whoever they did it. See, I don't buy that Oswald did it. So whoever they is, whoever did the coup d'etat, because that was a coup d'etat that happened. Uh, see, had Kennedy lived, there would have not been a Vietnam War and how different the world would be, wouldn't it? Yes. Had Kennedy lived, there would not have been a Cold War, because he and Khrushchev were already back-channel communicating, and they were going to end the Cold War by the mid-60s at the end of JFK's second term, and they were going into joint exploration in the space. But all that changed on November the 22nd, 1963. So imagine what the world would have been had Jack Kennedy lived. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I think about that all the time because... Well, why do you think it's a passion for me? And here we are again, 
Trump is withholding against the law all the records of the Kennedy. They were supposed to, by law, be released in 2017. Yeah, well, that's what I don't understand. If the official story is that Lee Harvey Oswald did it, well, what's the holdup on any of this stuff? I mean, why don't they just... It's even simpler than that. Why would there be anything to put in there if the story they told us was true? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if that's the story, there's not anything to hide. See, that's why it's fraudulent, because if you went along with their story, this little Marine private became disgruntled, you know, went to Russia, came back angry and shot and killed our president all by himself. Well, that would have no bearing on our national security in any way, shape, or form, other than that he was successful and that the Secret Service should have did a better job. But, uh, see, that's why it makes no sense. If you want to break it down into a simplistic form, just go to this. Look at when they arrested Oswald. Allegedly, he went into the movie theater and didn't buy a ticket. And a guy saw him. So the guy called the police and said he witnessed someone sneak into the theater and not buy a ticket. Now, bear in mind, the police dispatcher, you've had the murder of the president... You've had the murder of police officer Tippett, and now someone calls you a half hour later and says somebody snuck into the Texas theater and didn't pay. Would you bother to even send the police? No. You got the murder of the president and the murder of a police officer. What are you going to do there? Yet what was sent? Ten squad cars, 22 police officers, and the news media were sent to that theater when they arrested Oswald. And see, the thing that kills me is that's pre-social media. So, okay, so you've seen a guy guy jump in no movie theater. Okay. Doesn't that tell you right there that it was a total setup? Why would a guy sneaking into the theater draw 10 squad cars? And then the the, the (laughs) follow-up when uh, Jack Ruby knocked him off. Sure. But I, exactly, there will be no trial. It kind of parallels uh, Epstein, don't it? And Epstein, well, Epstein was hanging out with all these powerful, influential men, and all of a sudden he dies in prison under mysterious circumstances, and now it's just going to dry up and go away. It is. Already has, yeah. pretty much. Pretty much. And uh, you're t- and, and I, you know, me and Rick Sanchez on on uh, on uh, RT, we both talked about it. And both of us said he ain't going to live to see a trial. And sure enough, we were right. Within two weeks, he was gone because he he was too many high people were on his in his little black book. Well, I mean, you've seen the pictures of uh, a number of former presidents with him. I mean, that's yeah. too many, that's. I'm not going to post oh, yeah. it either way. I'm just going to oh, send yeah. those pictures with both sides. And you even got a quote from Trump that he liked young girls. Well, how did you know that, Donald? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all that aside. Okay, so uh, let's, let's grind gears and get something a little more sure. near and dear to your heart here. Uh, let's talk about the legalization of marijuana. Sure. Okay, so years ago, how long ago was it that Colorado did this? How long was what? How long ago did it was it, Colorado did it? When did Colorado first do it? Uh, Colorado, I don't know. Over a decade ago, I can't remember exactly when they lifted their prohibition. But uh, I am fully for it because uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a billion billion multi billion dollar industry waiting to happen. It's American grown. No other foreigners are involved in it. American grown, American used, America everything, and think of the jobs and the revenue. It, it, it can be as big as tobacco and alcohol on all levels with this plant. Both the medical end of it as well as the quote-unquote recreational side of it. And it's utter stupidity that this country did what it did to this plant, and it's utter stupidity what they continue to do today. Because uh, uh, this is the most amazing plant that I've ever studied or know anything about because it has so many multiple uses to it. And I, like I spoke at the 
national uh, convention, cannabis convention, two years ago at the Javits Center in New York, and I made the statement that the people that outlawed marijuana and our use of cannabis, they should be put in jail. Yeah, I, I, because, okay, so I was going to Colorado for a reason, because it started, I mean, Colorado released the figures that it was making them millions and almost billions of dollars instantly. Being the independent figure I am, states need money, legalize it, tax it, let's all have a good day. Exactly, and not only that, here's the best news lately, and I don't know if you've heard this, but all the states that have fully legalized it now, haha, the opposite is happening. Children's use is dropping through legalization. And here's why. Here's what they attribute it to. Because the, the underground dealer cannot compete with the commercialized ones, and the commercialized ones require two IDs. So the underground dealers are looking somewhere else to deal something else rather than cannabis because they can't compete. So therefore, children do not have the, as much access today with it being legal than they did when it was illegal. And so usage, the latest, uh, the latest statistics coming out are showing that teenage usage of pot or cannabis is actually dropping in states that have had legalization. Uh, was it six weeks ago or so? I had your friend Jen Hobbs on. We talked about cannabis, sure, and all, all the uses of that. Well, cannabis or, is or all ha- the same excuse thing. me, hemp. Cannabis hemp. is cannabis. It's all cannabis. Yeah, well, hemp. I guess it doesn't need to be separated into nothing. It's all the part of the cannabis plant. The right. cannabis plant is just a very versatile plant that gives you different plants within its own structure. Shall we put it that way? Why haven't the green people got behind this? The green party? I think like, they no, are. the green like the people that want renew recyclables and all this other stuff. They are. I am. I've I know been you screaming are screaming it. I've been screaming it for years because you know, we cut down trees. Trees grow one foot a year. Cannabis grows eighteen feet in the summer. And it's renewable. It'll grow back next year. It's insanity. See, the reason it got banned in the first place was William Randolph Hearst, the big newspaper guy. He owned thousands of acres of timberland. He didn't want to compete with cannabis for paper. Did you know the Constitution and Bill of Rights are written on marijuana? I'm ashamed to admit that I didn't know that. And so is Betsy Ross's flag. It's made out of it. Now, if that doesn't make it legal, what should? <laughs> I mean, are the guys that made our country used it. <laughs> and it's held up well. Let's say that for the record. Yeah, I'm right. You can still read the damn, you know, the, the document, and the flag's still there. And they're, all of them, well, George Washington today and Tom Jefferson would be doing 10 years in prison. It's just remarkable. Because they all grew it then. And in today's world, they'd be, or the two decades ago or whatever, they'd have gone to jail. And, okay, so let's what, what, what shift gears and, one more time. And here's what made me so passionate about it, is that someone very close to me developed a seizure disorder. The person went on four different kinds of seizure medicine from pharma. None of it worked. In desperation, we drove to Colorado, started the three drops under the tongue, and this person has not had a seizure now in over four years. And is completely off the pharma. In other words, cannabis cured the seizures, and there's no denying it. There's nothing that can be said about it. So why isn't it legal? Because of Big Pharma. That is her back story. Exactly. And because here's the other reason. You could technically grow your own. And they don't like that. The government wants a piece of the action. They want the taxes. And and poor people could actually, if they were smart, poor people could get it free because all they'd have to do is start growing. Hey, when I grew up in South Minneapolis, my mom, who was a nurse, Every summer we had a garden right in the heart of the city, and she grew tomatoes. Well, how hard would it be if those tomatoes were cannabis? 
Same thing. Same thing. And you, and we'd have fresh tomatoes all the time because my mom would grow them in that little garden all summer long. Well, people people without money could have the same little garden and they could grow cannabis and they wouldn't have to give the government a cent. There, always follow the money. <laughs> It'll lead you to your government answer. You I was going to say, the, I know where it leads all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that's it for this. There, follow the money. You know, they don't want you having the ability to be able to consume something that they don't get a cut out of. Hell, the government, if they could, if they could regulate it, they'd charge you for the air you breathe. I don't say that, but I know it's true. It's true. It is. So the, look at all the poor marathon runners. They'd all be paying high taxes. <laughs> or maybe they should. No. <laughs> Of course, I've they're seen myself all, out of breath. Breathe it all the air. I'll dare them. <laughs> I've seen myself after I run. I, I might be paying just as much. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess this leads me to this other question about gam- sports gambling. Yep. You know, I tried to legalize all of that stuff when I was governor back in 2000. I'm 20 years ahead of my time. See how an independent is so far ahead of the Democrats and Republicans? I tried to. I, that's how I wanted to pay for the Viking Stadium. I said, legalize sports betting. It's a th- I brought law enforcement in when I was governor. I sat down with Minnesota's top law enforcement, and I said, they tell me this is a $2 billion a year industry. Law enforcement looked at me and says, Governor, we think you're light. It's closer to three. I said, are you kidding? I said, and we're not getting a cut of this? $3 billion worth of commerce is going on, and because we deem it illegal... We're not making, we could, we would be making 300, if you took a bookie's cut, that's 300 million a year added to the coffers of the state of Minnesota of new money. The new stadium cost us like a billion dollars if we'd legalize sports betting like I wanted to, and I couldn't even get someone to carry the bill. If you could, if you'd legalized it back then, 20 years ago, like I wanted to, uh, that stadium would be paid for in four years. <laughs> and then you'd have the money to keep coming. <laughs> you know, it's like this year I'm working with the governor on legalizing fully cannabis in Minnesota. And we've already got our saying. The governor, uh, Governor uh, Waltz came up with a great saying because he's fully for it. Uh, his saying is uh, pot for potholes. <laughs> That's good. You know, that we'll get the money from this and we'll be able to fill all the potholes in the Minnesota roads. Well, I think people would be happy with that. (laughs) I'd be happy with that. I live in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I've driven in Pennsylvania. (laughs) You guys got some of the worst roads there is. At least you used to. Well, we still do, and we pay. When I was wrestling there, that was the one place I was with Big John Stud, and we actually got a double blowout from the same pothole. Took out both tires. I would say I was surprised, but you know, I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, not in Pennsylvania. (laughs) That's what I remember the most about wrestling in Pennsylvania. (laughs) A double blowout with John Stud. We lost the front and rear tire to the same pothole. What do you do then? You only got one spare. (laughs) <laughs> well, well what did you do you just had to wait for oh, we somebody had to, call to stop a tow truck and somebody come out and you know we had to get to the town and would deal with the car later just had him tow it in or whatever i don't even remember anymore but i just i just remember that double blowout in pennsylvania <laughs> that's just that's fun i mean not not for you but just hearing that makes me realize how you know something i already knew but hearing it from somebody else is always good um, well, well, for me, it was just, you know, I, I actually, my father came from Pennsylvania. He lived, uh, his father grew up in uh, coal mines by Johnstown. Nice. Not that, well, a couple hours from me. So we're somehow synergy connected. Well, sure. and he was smart enough. He didn't want his kids in those coal mines that Trump wants to put people in. And, uh, and he, that's why he moved to the Bohemian Flats and came here to Minnesota. Bohemian Flats are down on the river, Mississippi River. That's where all the Slovaks came. I'm Slovak. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I never understood. I mean, 
putting there's great renewable energy now. I mean, it's getting better every day, but we're going to keep mining coal for whatever reason. Well, because that's who's paying the bills of these guys. You know, renewable energy is not paying the bills for them. They're not paying the bribes. You know, because we you you need to remember our entire uh, system of government is based on the concept of bribery. Now, if you do that in the private sector, you go to jail. But in the public sector, it's alive and well, and this is what I mean. If you go visit a congressman, make sure you bring your checkbook. Because if you don't pay him some money, he ain't gonna, he or she ain't going to listen to you. you got to give him a campaign contribution. That's what I mean. It's a complete system of bribery. Well, I'd bring my checkbook, but my check would bounce. And I'm be proud back. of this. I served four years as gov- governor of the state of Minnesota. I never met with a lobbyist once. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's how it should be. Well... And I didn't have to because none of them got me elected, so why did I need to consult with them? You know, I have my opinion on things. I have a staff. They'll find out what I need to know. I don't need to meet with a lobbyist. That's why they wanted me gone, because I was jeopardizing their jobs. Yeah, you're putting the whole industry out of out of work. Yeah, because their, their whole is getting access. And I, the first day I came into office, I told my staff... A lobbyist didn't elect me, and therefore, standard policy, no lobbyist sees the governor. I said, that goes from today till when I leave. I guess if they did, they had to meet with somebody on my staff, because they never met with me, ever. So is that going to be true when you're president? Uh, when and if I became, well, you know, I wouldn't shut the door necessarily on a lobbyist today because I do think that you can gain knowledge from them, but uh, I would never accept any money. No, I won't accept any, I would never accept any special interest money or thing. That's like when I threatened to run with, you know, I don't know if you heard about it. When I threatened to run, I wanted to run with Howard Stern. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody thought I was crazy. But, but again, ahead of the times. Well, no, he, there's a method to my madness. See, here's what Stern would do for me. First of all, I could keep my integrity, because Howard Stern could go on his radio show and say, send us 20 bucks apiece to all his fans. We'd have more money than we could spend, right? Yes. That would keep me clean, because Howard would be doing it all. Second of all, he's on serious radio, which means it's not governed by the FCC, which means you could stay on the station till the very election day. You could run your campaign right out of Howard's show. Yes. Ah, pretty smart, <laughs> huh? And then thirdly, and most importantly, you need a vice president who is despicable so that no one will assassinate you and put him in. Very true. Except that then it worked for then it worked for John Kennedy, of course. Well, no, but think about it. Well, that's because I, I, in my opinion, the guy sitting in the second place seats who did it. But that aside, anyway, uh, uh, no. But think about it. You, in the case of Howard, who'd assassinate me and put Howard in? Nobody. Nobody. You know who I learned that from? Charles Barkley. Well, that's Charles very Barkley sound logic, right there. Charles Barkley said that to me before Obama was even on the radar screen. Because I made the statement, if I run for president, I want Charles Barkley as my running mate. And Barkley said that the same dinner. He said, that's a great idea, Governor, because he said uh, uh, there are a couple things we could do. He said, we could get rid of the Secret Service. And I said, well, how could we do that, Charles? He said, well, you'll be the safest guy on the planet. He said, ain't nobody going to shoot you and put a black man like me in there. <laughs> you got to remember, this was 2003, before Obama was even on the radar screen. And I thought that day, geez, Charles is right. <laughs> he is. I mean, well, he yeah. is. So you got to have a VP that nobody wants. That way it's your safety net. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do predictions in the middle of November, or the first week in November, often falls on Election Day, um, for the next year so. Are you 50-50? I need, I need to know. Are you 50-50 about running? or? I won't even put it to odds. Oh, come I, on. I won't even, 
see, I, I, I've, I've, I've had conversations with the Greens, a couple of them. Uh, they've been very positive, but I will. I go to Mexico, though I live in Mexico every winter off the grid. I won't even entertain it till, I, and that's where I'll think about it hard when I go down there for ninety days off the grid. And that's when I'll come to a decision of whether I will or won't, because. I'm 68 now, and do I really want to spend my golden years trying to fix all this crap? Please, <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, then in the back of my mind, there's always that little guy there that always says to me, "Well, if not you, then who?" Very you know, true. so it's a battle I'm going through right now, and we'll see what happens. But uh, uh, like I said, it's a decision I won't make until get the pikers out. Get it down to two people, then I'll come out and give the people a third choice if I'm going to do it. But uh, well, I will not- say this. I'll, I'll leave you with this because i got to go now. Yeah. But And this is just totally hypothetical, but uh, i got a maybe, which is interesting. Before, I never even got a maybe, but uh, how would a, a, a ticket of... G- of Governor Jesse Ventura and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. sound. Ooh. There's something there. No, I mean, I think that would get a lot of votes. <laughs> I think you're I think you're onto something. Hey, I know you, you just said you have to go. Hey, I want to thank yeah. you for spending some time with me. It's been an honor and right. privilege. Very good. i got to do another one of these in about 15 minutes, so i got to rest my ear. Well, that sounds good, my friend. Hey, All take right, it easy, and, and when you All do right. decide to run, I'll look you up. All right, we'll talk then. Bye-bye. Bye. It's Jesse Ventura promising to come back on the show if he decides to run. How about that right out the door? Got a few minutes left here to clean a few things up as he uh, departs. Uh, if you have not subscribed to the Mal Report, if this is your first taste of the Mal Report, subscribe today. Um, go back and look through the catalog. You'll find many great guests, some names you've heard of, some names you haven't, uh, some names you're going to go, do I really want to listen to this? And I, I encourage you to listen to try to listen to it. Now, if it's not your cup of tea, I understand. Some people just don't do well with others. I also encourage you to listen to more than one because the show is not topical, as you can figure out rather quickly. I've talked paranormal. I even referenced that in the conversation today. I'll talk politics with Jesse. I'll talk paranormal things. I'll talk... uh, pop culture, I'll talk this, I'll talk that. So I'm all over the board. So if you don't like one show, try another one. That's great. Uh, great thanks all over at Mallard.com. M-A-L-L-A-R-I-A-R-D. I almost spelled my, mis- almost spelled my own, misspelled my own last name. Woo, that was bad. Um, you can subscribe. All the links are there. All the social media stuff is there. Great time, man. Great time. I'm just... Still trying to figure out this vice president thing. Who would be a good vice president? I don't know. But he does make a strong point there. Two minutes left in the program. Running running for the hill. So, having said all that, great guest with Jesse Ventura. Let's say this before we go. we got two minutes off, like I just said. We do need an independent. If it's Jesse or somebody else, to come in and bridge the gap. The parties have got so far apart. I'm not trying to be political. I'm just being honest. They're dividing us. And when you divide, it makes it so much easier to conquer. I used to tweet that all the time to people. Divide and conquer. Right now, we're very divided. So we're making it way too easy for them. Them being big government. We can't have that. We... There's a lot of common sense things, like Jesse was pointing out, that we should be able to agree on and move forward past. Now, do I do I expect that we're going to solve universal health care? I don't know. But can we at least uh, get the cost of prescription drugs under control? Is there anybody that isn't a fan of that? Besides the big pharmaceutical companies. Obviously, they're not a fan of that. Can we get our kids educated safely? Can we get mental health for people who need it? Right? Can we, I mean, that that is an overwhelming concern. That's what we need to talk about. That's what we need to address. The views and opinions expressed on the Mallard Report are those of the host and participants. For past shows, social media links, and so much more, visit Mallard.com. 
M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com. And thanks for listening. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.